The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Hello, and uh, this is uh, Sanjay Gaul. Good morning, and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTR Live, and look for this show as hashtag team and hashtag leadership. So the today's topic is, is team play overrated? And our guests for today's show are Bill Kehoe, who is the CIO with King County, Washington. How are you, Bill? I'm doing great. Nice to be here. Great. Great to have you. And we also have Helen Norris, who is the Chief Information Officer with Chapman University. Hi, Helen. How are you doing? I'm doing well today, Sanjog. How about yourself? Oh, could not be better. Beautiful uh, morning, and uh, we are ready to get started here. So the topic, this this topic that we picked up, we always have been uh, discussing how to build teams, and the success of a leader is when they have a great team. However, it has also been seen that sometimes when we try to build teams, we may not do that successfully, and it can become even counterproductive. And to take a contrarian view, we even are looking at this discussion to see whether team play is overrated. Is it always a team-based approach is always the right thing to do given the situation? So all of that is exploratory, and we can get the best outcome from the discussion we're going to have today. So starting with you, Bill, when we are looking at um, an organization to get the results delivered, what we are looking for is a number of good people who bring their respective expertise, a leadership, a clarity of strategy, and a number of those things are what in some total bring success and, and consistent growth and innovation within an organization. We Somewhere we introduced team play. And if you talk about team play, it is one area among all of those others which is not as quantified, but still we focus on it. What do you think is the reason for us to keep including something like team play when it is not quantified, but somehow organizations and experts claim that team play does make a big difference? Well, that's a, that's a, a big question and an interesting topic. Uh, and when I first read the topic, I'm thinking, well, you know, of course team play is important. But uh, the more you think about it, it has to be done right, and I think that's what we're, what we're getting to today. Uh, I would say in our organization, um, in King County, uh, we are a... Uh, we were organized around services and service teams. And where the team play can go wrong is when the service teams don't have a clear direction, uh, when they don't understand how they fit into the strategy or mission of the organization, uh, when they're not working together towards a common goal, um, 
that can uh, actually uh, work against the concept of team play. So it's very important from a leadership perspective, not only for the CIO and others in leadership, to really set clear direction and uh, organize the team so they feel valued, they feel like they're contributing to the mission, they enjoy coming to work, and that really in today's world with technology, uh, you don't have that one guru that knows everything, so you really have to collaborate play off each other with strengths and skills that you have. So in our environment, it's very important. But it, if it's not done right, uh, it, it really can be a detriment. So Helen, as uh, Bill mentioned about team, he used in a way the word team as a unit, as if a leader is going to talk to a team or is going to put the vision in front of a team. But at the end of the day, those are individuals who will perceive it. So if we say that, okay, I'm going to say the the world is round, and if somebody says oval, other person thinks it's square, that's their individual interpretation. Are we trying to build consensus at all times? Because that is not always seen as uh, the best form of management or leadership. Because when we are looking at team as a unit. Sure. I, you know, I don't think we're always trying to build consensus. I think it's important, as, as Bill mentioned, uh, for the team to have a common goal and for the entire team to be clear about the common goal. Uh, within that goal, I think there's room for conflict and disagreement. And, in fact, I think conflict and disagreement is important. But, in general, if a team member isn't committed to the overall goal of the organization, it's going to be very difficult to get them on board. And so I, I think that, that's a critical thing. That's true, though, whether you're uh, focused on t- a team organization or not. If somebody within your organization isn't committed or doesn't believe in the mission of the organization, they're, they're not going to contribute to its success. So I do think it's important for people to have a common goal. I don't think we have to have consensus around how we get there. Uh, I'd like to add to one thing to what Bill said about teams, which I, I agree with everything he said. I'd also add that it's really important for people to understand their role on the team and to understand the role of other people on the team, because that's where I think we run into some um, un, unnecessary conflict, is when it, it's not clear what my particular role is versus Bill's role and what we're both here to do. Now, we can't talk about team as uh, like a a few people coming together, and then they are going to be doing things which are based on a specific common goal, as you mentioned, but then they would have some responsibilities that they are sharing, and they are to be held accountable as an individual or perhaps as a group. Is that enough to call it a team and is that enough to be able to deliver results or is there something else that needs to be done in order for us to get the right amount and quality of work get done under a common uh, under one leadership so bill what are your thoughts on that well i i, I can tell you what we're trying to do i don't think that there's a, a perfect solution to that so that you know that every team is a high performing team i think you you that's what you aim for that's what you would you really hope for. Um, so we're uh, in King County. We're um, very much adopted the lean methodology, where again we're we're uh, focused on service teams, and each one of our service teams uh, 
our uh, have performance uh, metrics that they're trying to hit, as well as uh, being accountable for uh, working on projects and and delivering uh, solutions to our customers. Uh, so we track that. Um, we track how they're doing uh, against their performance metrics. They're accountable to those. We have regular meetings where the team um, is actually uh, in the tier boards are in front of the visual management tools are in front of the teams. Um, and I get involved even at my level, uh, go around to the different teams and ask them how they're doing against their, their goals and their targets. And if they're not hitting them, which we encourage that they don't because we want to we want to set stretch goals in place. Then we talk about what the team as a team has come up with in terms of input from the team members, not just the leadership, on how they're going to uh, what they're going to do to improve their their service to meet their targets. And invariably, if you set that expectation and you allow people to have that input in how the work's being done, uh, the team will rise to that. Uh, performance target and we'll be able to actually increase that and go to a new target. So uh, in our environment, it's not just one team. We're very dependent on each service is dependent on each other for success. So there's the broader enterprise team, if you will, and then we also have the service team. So we really try to um, create a culture of collaboration, working together and caring about each other and each other's success so that we can create the greater good in terms of what our mission is and what we have to deliver to our customers. So, Helen, could that be a risk in terms of um, the weakest link within those people? Yes, you would try the best to hire the absolute uh, performer as an individual. Mm -hmm. So the person's performance could be undermined because of their own individual circumstance. Or sometimes even when you are trying to put them with people with whom their their personality doesn't simply gel. So what you've suddenly done is you've undermined the potential of an individual in the interest of trying to increase the effectiveness of a team, which in turn is also undermined because these individuals are becoming the weakest link. Well, but I think there is some risk of that. Um, however, I think I'd like to build on something that Bill said and that you kind of alluded to. I, I think the difference between a team and, you know, a kind of a, an old-fashioned or a legacy department is that in a team, uh, the team members are responsible. You know, they're accountable to each other, not just to their manager. So in, in the old days, um, you know, the, my, my department, the individuals would have answered to me, and that's to who they would have been accountable. So I think that existed, that risk existed before, because your department wasn't always full of top-level performers. I, I think you can um, mitigate that risk in a team with a strong performer and somebody who's perhaps less strong uh, by being clear about, what the expectation is for the for all players and having them be accountable to each other. Uh, in that situation, you might have a, a stellar performer who seems to be held back by somebody uh, who just simply can't keep up with the quantity of work or, or doesn't 
uh, produce the same quality of work. In a team environment, because they're accountable to each other, I think the stronger performer actually helps bring uh, the, the, the person with more challenge along if they're truly acting as a, a team player. Therefore, getting back to something that you said, I think it's important when we interview people that we focus not just on their technical skills or, or what it, you know, they're, they're a great uh, Java programmer, but how can they um, work together in a team to ensure that everybody uh, gets to perform at a high level? Now, um, Bill, when you look at the type of business demands that we have, number one, they're increasing. Number two, they're also changing. So you got to scale your capability, your capacity in terms of people and also shuffle them around in order for you to create the absolute best group of people who have complementary skill set to be able to handle those tasks and projects. So when you're changing from one group to another, which also is in a way dismantling the very DNA that you had created for that team. Do you think it would, it would actually, the time of ramping it up, building into another team and focusing, okay, how well are they playing together, et cetera, et cetera. Is that going to be uh, taking time away from actually getting the job done effectively? Instead, if you had focused just on individuals, would it have helped? Yeah, I don't think focusing just on the individual uh, helps unless it's a very, very small independent project. So, again, I'll, I'll just tell you how we're trying to overcome, um, you know, the problem that you just uh, presented, which is, you know, within a service structure, we have disciplines, project managers, business analysts. Uh, we have a service for applications. So what we do on any given project is we bring the, the various disciplines together. And they all have uh, roles, responsibilities, and deliverables on the project, and they're not the same. Yet, they're all bringing value to the project. So when you create a culture where um, those disciplines and those people that come into a project are appreciated, right, rather than having um, the hero mentality within, a, within a, um, an organization where one or two individuals do everything, um, you can really create a, a great atmosphere in terms of um, team excitement. Um, people know the roles and responsibilities, as Helen said, that's really important. And they're all focused on their individual tasks towards the, the, the common team goal. Um, so that works much better. And, and so... You know, our project managers may work on uh, different projects all the time, but they're bringing that discipline, that project management methodology, their experience to the project. And so it doesn't matter as much if they go into a, a transportation department or a health department um, because you have the, the business analysts and the, the business owners and the SMEs, uh, subject matter, matter experts there to, to guide them from a business perspective. So... That's the way we've approached it. So we're not just throwing people into different situations quickly and hoping they react well. Um, we're approaching it more from a, a discipline and methodology perspective. Let's take a quick break. Listeners will be right back. And Helen, when we come back, um, how about us talking um, related to the 
the evaluation of an individual by a fellow team member. So we say, okay, we are going to build a team. And if you're not going to like someone, we would have to work with them or somehow give uh, an evaluation to the boss to say, okay, whether this person's working out well for me or not. And would that in a way going to uh, reduce what we would have otherwise done because our own individual engagement is also equally important in delivering what we need to deliver. And that could be, again, compromised if we are working with someone who we really don't like. And and that's just being Mm -hmm. human. So how do we get over that? How do you make sure that we are, even if you're saying that, okay, let's go and build a team, how do we get over these challenges and still be able to have people work at the maximum engagement level they could potentially be at. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to HP.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. Welcome back. So, uh, authenticity of a team member as they want to really work the way they always wanted to work uh, is reduced if you try to emphasize on team play, especially when there are people that they're working with who may not be, I would not say nice in absolute sense, but there is not mm-hmm. enough camaraderie or, or, or there is some conflict existing between the two. It also could increase stress. So, do you think if we are going to focus on team play even though people don't report that there is a problem, do you think there is no problem, Helen? You know, I I absolutely agree that there are situations where two people just really don't hit it off, and it, it, it absolutely increases the stress on not just those uh, two individuals, but everybody else on the team. So it's, it's, it's all great. As you pointed out, it's all great to say, let's do teams and let's build some team camaraderie, but sometimes you get down to something that feels like just a a particular personality conflict where two people can't get along. Uh, In that situation, I think it's important to figure out what's going on there. We don't have to like each other to work together. We're all adults. We don't have to like each other, but we do have to be able to respect what that person brings to the team in terms of um, 
the work and have a professional relationship with them. So if we can figure out where to find some common ground about respect for the work, then I think that's a way that we can address that um, that tension on a team. However, in my experience, a, a lot of times that uh, has been rooted in uh, a perspective that, you know, two people not being able to get along has often been rooted in a perspective that one person simply is not performing uh, at the right level. As, as you mentioned earlier, they're maybe not able to keep up. Um, in, in that case, I think you sometimes find a situation where you have to encourage that person to come up to the level and to begin to perform um, at the expected level. And if they can't, you sometimes find yourself in a very tough personnel situation. Now, um, Bill, when you look in your environment and, and if suppose someone comes and reports, oh, I, I'm not really liking working with this individual or a set of individuals, what do I do? So what what are your ways to ensure that not only you help, you know, figure out what's going on, uh, maybe improve the integrity of the team, but at no point do you undermine an individual's engagement and performance levels in the interest of building that team, if you will. Yeah, so this this happens uh, a lot. It's human nature, right? We have different styles, mm-hmm. and uh, we don't always um, see eye to eye, and, and so... Uh, there's a couple things that we try to do. One is you have on a project, um, you have to have strong project management that set expectations with the team in terms of uh, professional behavior, respect, as Helen said, for uh, for each other, for the value that you bring to the project. What I've seen at times is a couple things uh, where maybe one individual has their own agenda. They're really not, uh, you know, into sacrificing um, some tasks or other team members and they want to go it alone, that doesn't work. Um, and then the other, the flip side is someone who really isn't uh, pulling their weight on the team and isn't getting their tasks done. Now, if you have a, a strong project manager or a strong leader, in a, if it's an operational setting that actually has gone in and has uh, tasks and, and established clear accountability, then you can raise those issues up and they can be escalated or resolved within the team. But what we found is that if you have a good team atmosphere, people don't want to let each other down and they will rise to the expectations. And then, you know, it's very rare that we've had to pull people off of projects, but we, we do that when, if, if it's necessary, if it's really taking the team down. Um, but that's, that's rare and that's the extreme. So, we try to uh, work with the individual, uh, see what the problem is. If it's a skilling problem, um, maybe they will assign to other tasks that they're better suited for or, uh, you know, put them on an improvement plan where they can increase their skills. But uh, we, you really have to work for the individuals. And where we run into problems is where, when we don't address the issue right away and it factors and it goes on for long periods of time, that's when it hurts the team. So that strength of leadership and that good discipline in your project manager or your leadership is critical. And it goes to the fact that uh, IT right now, in my view, need we need strong leadership. We need mm-hmm. to be able to have leaders that have that managerial courage to address issues within the team. 
And that's not always easy. Helen, I'll share with you an anecdote which was actually shared by one of the senior CIOs, uh, very experienced CIOs uh, on the show a couple of years back. They actually had a situation where there was an individual who really could do the work of two or three people combined. However, the person said, leave me alone because I really think I can deliver much better. That person was let go. So now we talk corporate objectivity and uh, result orientation. And on, on that's on one hand, and on the other, team play. Mm-hmm. Who lost in this? Oh, well, it was probably a lose-lose situation. I'm sure the, the individual didn't love being let go, and I, I'm sure that there was a short-term, at least a short-term um, dip in productivity for the, for the organization. You know, I think it's it's very unfortunate, you know, when you have a person who's very highly skilled uh, and can find a place for them within the organization. Uh, I think that um, most work that we do in IT today is collaborative in nature. You know, we're not really the people sitting in the back room anymore um, creating servers and and writing programs. I mean, there's a little of that. But most of our work is with teams, actually not just in IT, but outside of the the IT organization with our partners in the business uh, frequently. However, it's not 100%. I I do think that there are roles where, uh, generally, highly technical roles where a person can... um, sit in the in the back and and do what they need to do. And I, I'll, I'll give you an example of one I, I heard yesterday. Um, in this particular situation, uh, the individual in question was very, um, it had a PhD, very, very, which I believe was a Nobel Prize winner, but was, it was very difficult for that particular individual to communicate with, with other individuals. You couldn't really put him on a team. But he was so valued by the organization, as you pointed out, there's three or four, two or three or four individuals value within that one person. So the uh, organization kept him on and actually hired another person, another PhD, who could work with that person in writing business plans that had to come back and forth. So sometimes for a highly skilled individual, you find a way to to protect them and have them do the work, but I I do think that's an unusual case. I think for those of us who are mere mortals who can only do the work of one or one and a half people, we have to bring the skills to work with others. It's the twenty first century. It's this is how we have to work today. So on one hand, uh, there is team play, um, and this is for you, Bill. On the other hand, that any individual that you take today, just by virtue of us being getting connected to the external world quite a bit, we are literally bringing a network of knowledge and expertise and resources to the table. Would you think that instead of us having to say, okay, whosoever we have within, they should be just working with each other to see what they can um, share with each other and, and work as a team, would you give priority to the the individuals to tap into their vast network and resources to bring their absolute best resourceful type of uh, performance 
and then the sum total of all of these people combined with their respective network pitching in would give us far more productivity and output? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we're seeing, as Helen said, a, a much more collaborative environment where we all bring our networks and our experience uh, from our careers um, into the workplace. And that's true if it's a millennial or a baby boomer, I think. Um, but again, you're bringing those experiences in to, in my view, to add to the add value to the uh, organization and to the teams and the projects or the operations that you support. Um, So you're bringing that value, and that allows you, if if you have this collaborative environment, it allows you to share your experiences, your knowledge, and your your prior success to help your organization, to help your team. And if you have that, that culture of sharing knowledge, right, rather than keeping it to yourself, um then you're going to have a more successful organization where we've seen individuals that don't really like to share their knowledge, don't like to share their network. Um, They become very isolated and difficult to work with. But where we can share our knowledge, share the skills that we have, beef up our team members and our service teams and our project teams, um, that's where we're going to have greater success because when you combine all those together in an organization, it's very powerful. Let's take a quick break, listeners. When we come back, uh, let's talk about the different situations in which uh, we may have utilized the teams. Now, from a business perspective, like we talk about governance or we talk security or we talk any other area which is a cost or it has a softer benefit, if you will. Would you say to your business leaders that while I'm going to go about uh, getting the people, that's my count, and as part of my management, I'm going to spend some reasonable or a significant amount of time building that team and nurturing and maintaining that team, would that be considered as a cost or as a cost of doing business? How much corporate look at the softer side of individuals and making them work as a team as a way of investment versus saying, like anything, as I mentioned about governance, as an overhead. So is it an overhead or is it an investment? Uh, let's explore. When we come back, please stay tuned. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. 
Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. Welcome back. Uh, so, Helen, we could see team play or team building as an investment or a cost like we do for any other softer things that we do as part of building an organization. So, how does business see it? You know, I think um, it's, I, I see it as an investment, and I, I do think that there's a trend in that direction in, in business. Now, I'll use a specific example. I'm actually joining you today from Orlando, where I've been attending Gartner Symposium. And right before uh, this call, I, part, I listened to the, um, the keynote presentation by Ed Catmull, who's the CEO of Pixar. And because I knew we were going to have this discussion, this conversation, I listened very closely to what Ed Catmull said about teams. And he used the, the word teams. I started to count, but, I, you know, I stopped counting after about 15 because he, he was so focused on teams. He described, he used language that most failures that he had seen in his career were as the result of uh, ego gone crazy. And that the team approach can really um, mitigate the, the risk of failure due to one person having a blind uh, view of, of things. And he spent a lot of time talking about Steve Jobs. He noted that in Steve Jobs' first stint at Apple, where they had a couple of notable failures, like Lisa, for instance, um, Steve Jobs really chose to learn from that. And when he came back to Apple the second time, Steve Jobs really focused on building a team and surrounding himself with a strong team with clear roles. In addition, one of the things that Steve was able, Jobs was able to do with that team was to really groom his successor, was to really spend time. The fact that Tim Cook participated on Steve Jobs' team set up for great a great succession plan for Apple, which I think we can all agree has been really beneficial for Apple. I mean, I know it's an extreme example, the, the Steve Jobs case of uh, Steve Jobs' death being um, such a tragedy at such a young age. But in that situation, I think Apple reaped the benefits of investing in a team, an executive team, at the top of the organization. When they had to deal with the, the unthinkable, the loss of their leader, the fact that they had a strong team in place where Steve Jobs had had the opportunity to share his experience with Tim Cook really uh, ensured Apple's ability to survive. I don't think that's an overstatement. And that's a great example, uh, Helen. Now, Bill, coming to you, given that not every manager, not just the leader, but every manager has a responsibility to build team, right? So if if the person is not of the type, Steve Jobs, who has learned their lessons and coming back to implement it this next time around, and then you don't have all the Tim Cooks in the in the team either, God bless what's going to be the fate of the team. So can we really say that the team, the value of the team and taking those one in a billion examples is a great way to justify why a team should be the main focus for us to get anywhere within an organization in terms of the results we produce? Well, I think, uh, you know, even in the case of Steve, Steve Jobs, uh, you know, he... Uh, he set some very clear expectations with his team and had uh, real high accountability. Uh, so even in his second tenure, uh, I think he 
he built strong teams, but uh, he also, um, I'm sure, was very quick to move uh, team members out or around if they weren't performing. Um, so all of our, you know, I don't, I don't like the word manager. I think uh, I like the word leader. And uh, the, the leaders that we hire are expected uh, to have the skills to, uh, to build teams because we believe that um, individuals going in their own direction is a, is a recipe for failure um, unless it's a very small, isolated uh, project or uh, operation type of a, um, of a task. So, yes, I think... You know, we have to have managers that uh, build teams, have those skills. And um, back to your, your former question, they, I think they need to, uh, we need to pay more attention to building the, the soft skills in our organization based on how we want the culture to act on any given day. Um, we've traditionally uh, not focused on that in IT, and uh, that's been a problem. And I think... Uh, what we've seen in the past is that uh, by not focusing on these teaming skills or these soft skills, that uh, we do have people that get isolated and kind of do their own thing. They don't follow standards. They're not really collaborating with their peers. And uh, as we've discussed throughout uh, today's uh, segments, you know, we're in an environment now in IT where we're integrated with the business. We're integrated with each other. And these teams aren't just IT teams anymore. They're organizational teams with business and IT and, and business analysts that span IT in the business. So we have to have collaboration skills, teaming skills moving forward. Now, Helen, would you agree that while we say we have to build this uh, team culture within the organization, but there are many, many managers who get promoted because of tenure, or their technical skills, so they are basically hands-on managers, but they are still given responsibilities of the people who report to them. And since they have not developed those skills of, of really bringing a set of people together, then the real version of team that you would be otherwise envisioning sitting in the ivory tower may never realize, and it will be causing you more harm than good. So are we just giving this a lip service or are we putting the money where the mouth is and actually investing in the people who you're otherwise putting in the position where they're made responsible to build a team? I think that's a great point. I, I think uh, you are 100% correct. Our model in the past in technology has been, oh, you're a great uh, uh, systems administrator, so let's make you the manager. You're, the great, you're a great programmer, so we're going to make you a manager, and somehow expecting that the person would move into that leadership role and somehow know how to lead. So I agree. Too many organizations have kind of paid lip service to that. I I think leadership and team building are skills. I think there are skills that can be learned. Um, I think it's very important for IT leaders to work on those skills much as we work on our technical skills. I, I think as it's my responsibility as the CIO to ensure that the leaders in my organization have the skills to lead. That, it, that means in some cases that we provide leadership training and leadership development for them. Uh, I think it's important for leaders to take time to step back and to work on their leadership skills. 
One of the things I'd like to say, I think we're very lucky in IT. I heard Bill talk about this quite a bit uh, earlier in our conversation, in that we tend to work on projects. And uh, people who take on roles as project leads and project managers, they really have a great opportunity to develop leadership skills that prepare them for bigger roles. So I I think it's important in technology organizations to give our high-potential leaders the opportunity to learn leadership skills, both by providing them um, challenges in uh, complex projects to manage, uh, to require them, and a lot of IT people don't like this, but to require them to work on their leadership skills by participating in leadership training and leadership development. And I think we have to do that at the highest levels. I think it's important for me as a, as a CIO to spend some time continually improving my leadership skills through uh, further education, maybe through the use of an executive coach uh, and through peer coaching with colleagues like Bill. Now, if you were to look at the buffer and the resources we provide, and this is for you, Bill, um, when you when you look at a manager, try going into their uh, room and try to look at their boards, you know, the whiteboards that they may have. Ton of different projects, not enough time. A deadline is given before the project scope is defined. It's like a pervasive problem. With that said, a sword hanging over their head no buffers, no resources, do you think they can play the people side and, and really spend the time that's required to build a team? And also, besides building a team, also being able to even give buffer to their own people so that they can even get a breather. If they are thinking that every time I'm going to work on a project, I'm going to lose my job if I don't complete it, then why would they care about anyone working beside them? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and I think we've all been in those situations where um, we we or our staff feel overwhelmed, and we have you know too many projects, and our email box email inbox is uh, so full we can't read uh, all our our uh, in our email. Uh, we can't get back to the people we want to get back to, um, and so that's I think that's a problem. I don't in any way want to say that that doesn't exist. It, it does exist and it exists in my organization. I, what I can say is how we're trying to mitigate that, and I think what you're hitting on is some organizational maturity. I think in um, the, the more immature we are as an organization and as a culture in terms of our planning and uh, the buy-in in terms of our estimating uh, with our uh, executives and our boards, uh, the more difficult it is for us to be successful in IT. So we're, we're really trying to um, put together a really disciplined resource plan uh, for all of our activities. We do that quarterly where every, every person in the organization is slotted based on their role, uh, either within a project uh, or an operational task, whatever it may be. Uh, and then we get commitments from those resource managers, which in our case are service managers, to that plan. Now, that's not a perfect plan and things change, but we at least have the, the dialogue and we try to give our employees realistic uh, uh, work schedules based on uh, realistic estimates and plans. 
And when things go south or we have to make adjustments, then we adjust the plan. But if you're just ad hoc and you're throwing people together and you're hoping you're, uh, you're going to make a deadline, uh, you're usually not going to make the deadline, and it's going to be an incredibly stressful situation. So I think we as leaders need to do something about that, not just live with that. And we as the CIOs have to be really at the table with our executives and our boards telling them how we need to operate to be successful to better to, to support that. Uh, if we're not at that table, then it's very difficult and we're a cost center and, you know, we have unrealistic expectations. So uh, it's a very good question and I don't know that we've, we'll, we've solved it, but I think it goes to cultural uh, maturity and as the organizations and IT mature, they become more integrated with the business. I think we can have more success in this area. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's look at an individual, uh, a member of the team who you expect to play well with the other. Now, looking inside out, that individual wants success, satisfaction, and smiles at all times every day when they come to work. When you are trying to work with those individuals, whatever you do for that as an individual is going to matter with that, those three S's, if you will. And if those are properly met, that means that individual will perform better, whether in an individual setting or in a team setting. Does team play or focus on team play take the focus away from an individual so that we can get them to achieve their three S's and that would result in a better outcome? Let's explore this when we come back. Please stay tuned. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network hp is proud to sponsor this program find out how the hp as a service solution for sap hana can help you gain instant impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, Helen, when we look at it at an individual and that person is evaluating how is their journey going, but they do so at an individual level at all mm-hmm. times. But if we are going to go and focus on team play and if that individual is not satisfied and is not feeling the success and has, doesn't have a smile on their face, they cannot really bring their true full potential themselves to the team either. So isn't it important for us to focus on an individual, which in turn will then lead to a better team play anyways? 
Well, I, I definitely agree. If a person feels um, un, undervalued or, or that they're not getting the, the uh, satisfaction that they would love out of their job, that they're, they're going to essentially, to a certain extent, poison the team environment. And whether So as leaders, it's our jobs to prevent that. We need to, to ensure that the person feels satisfied with what they're doing. I, in my experience, uh, there are people who gain immense satisfaction from working on a team. And in fact, they... Uh, their their key their satisfaction level increases because they see the intrinsic value of collaboration and uh, and in fact feel that they produce more when they're working on a team. But I think you're talking about individuals where the focus is really they get their satisfaction from working, producing something. At the end of the day, what did they come come across? What came out? What worked with them? I think the best way to address that, to help make sure that they achieve satisfaction and that they um, are helping the team be successful also, is to be very clear about what their role is on the team. Be very clear about what we expect them to um, accomplish. And also, in that particular situation, to have a really high expectation because it's a person who's motivated by being highly successful. Uh, so holding them accountable to a high level, I think the same level that they hold themselves accountable to will increase their success. Giving them the opportunity to work in areas or in areas where they have the opportunity to learn, I think will help them uh, achieve more success and be more satisfied uh, with what they're doing. I- I'm interested in Bill's take on this too. Yeah, this this is great. Um, you know, I could just from our experience, uh, we were a very decentralized uh, organization, and it's interesting that when we uh, we had people that were very isolated in the business doing IT work and doing everything, but they didn't have backups, they didn't have people to mm-hmm. collaborate with, they didn't have training plans. In some cases, they were being managed by business managers that didn't understand mm-hmm. IT. Um, and when we brought them into our uh, more consolidated uh, service organization and we brought service teams together and we brought functions together, now they're part of a team. Now they collaborate on a daily basis. And they're much, much happier in terms of their coming to work every day and feeling better supported, feeling like, you know, when they go on vacation or they're sick, they actually have a backup where they didn't have that before. And also, um, the, the folks that are isolated, they're working independently, their career path or their growth, growth path isn't always clear to them, and that can be a real discouragement to folks. What we're trying to do in our service teams is move people around within the service so they develop new skills, and they feel better about their overall skill set, and they feel like, even if they don't stay within that service, that we're going to develop them as professionals. So I think along with what Helen said about high expectations and accountability, there's this feeling that when I come to work every day, I want to know what my, uh, if I want to advance in the organization, what does that path look like? If I want to grow my skills, do I have the opportunity to do that? And then who's beside me, who's supporting me, and that's where that team play is essential for those individuals. 
So if you as an organization, we are to really move ahead and say that, okay, we are going to implement team play, but not to cannibalize on an individual's growth and satisfaction, what would be the type of strategy that we would put in place in order to uh, get the best of both worlds? Helen. Well, uh, I think bringing the right players together, putting people with, it, it, putting individual performers together who can bring out the best in each other, um, individuals that will challenge each other, sometimes going, well, you mentioned earlier in the conversation about two people who maybe can't get along or don't work well together, and sometimes we shy away from that because we want to avoid the conflict, but sometimes it makes sense to put people together who can challenge each other professionally. I think that that um, will often end up in a great result for the organization because you'll get the best of both uh, worlds, but also can be a very uh, positive learning experience for the individual. I, I think um, giving uh, giving people the opportunity to work with somebody who approaches something from a very different perspective really broadens and widens their horizons and, and ultimately I think is a real positive for for them. So I'm going to kind of pick on uh, Bill's example where he talked about the services teams. Uh, in the past, you might have had in an IT organization your system administrator working on email, for example, and, and your service desk working on email and they never spoke to each other. Now when you put those two together on the team, I think they're both actually going to really learn a lot from each other, the system administrator, the system engineer, learning how it's actually used at the customer level, and the service desk person perhaps getting more technical um, insight into what goes on in that particular uh, uh, service. It's a very simple example, but I, I think you might get a sense of what I'm talking about there in that example. Uh, 30 seconds, Bill. What are your thoughts on what you could do as an individual, as a leader within IT, working with your executive management so that when the team play is in, in, indeed introduced in the, in the organization, it goes beyond the regular lip service? You have to, have, uh, you have to demonstrate wins. And uh, you know, where we've brought uh, teams in, where traditionally maybe just we had a, a programmer, a developer, now we brought in a business analyst, a PM, um, some quality assurance. We've rallied around a project in a business area that had a business problem, and we've demonstrated that this team can bring success versus the, the, the trouble that maybe an individual might have. Um, that demonstrates, so anytime you can demonstrate success with a team, you're going to get more buy-in on the team. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you both, uh, Helen and Bill, for sharing your thoughts on how um, team play can actually make an impact provided it is embedded and or introduced in the organization successfully. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And listeners, hope you enjoyed. Maybe this would help you build better teams in your organization and reap the benefits. Please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio, and be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. 
To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Please join Sun Joke All next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time for another hour of CIO Talk Radio on the Voice America Business Channel. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP.